Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. If our guest's voice today sounds familiar, it is because it is familiar. We have Tara Filto joining us again today. But this time, she's sharing her personal story of her son, who has had a recent diagnosis of ADHD. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It is a medical condition. A person with ADHD has differences in brain development and brain activity that affect attention, the ability to sit still, and self-control. ADHD can affect a child at school, at home, and in friendships. Tara will share with us what signs she noticed, how she went about receiving this diagnosis, as well as some coping strategies that she has used in her home. Thank you so much for being with us, Tara, to talk about this very personal journey that you've been on with your family. Thank you so much for for having me here today. Now, you've been on quite the journey with your son, and he was recently diagnosed in the last year. Now, when and how old is he right now? Uh, he's almost eight. He'll be eight in just a few weeks. Okay. So when is it that you noticed something was different about him? Or, or when did he start exhibiting some signs that something was a little bit different? I would have to say that it was probably when he started school, because I guess that's when there's a lot more kids uh, around. And that's when you start noticing the difference. And he's my second child. So for me, I just thought, well, he's different from my first child. But, you know, but when he started school, I always remember that first day of school, um, it actually took the principal and two other teachers that literally had to drag him into the class, kicking and screaming on it. And that was very traumatizing both for him and for myself. Mm-hmm. And then that was literally the first day of school. And then leading up uh, the few weeks after that is when, you know, all of the comments coming home, you know, not getting along with other kids, being very impulsive, um, mm-hmm. just very defiant uh, within. And again, I mean, your, your child is, you know, almost five years old, they're still very young. So they're learning these things. So it's very hard at that point to even think about ADHD. Um, but there was some significant differences in comparison to the other kids in the, in the classroom. So that's when we started to see the differences. Mm -hmm. So, and you notice that the school also, um, started to notice some things and communicate certain experiences that they were having with your son. That's sometimes, um, as a parent and as a teacher myself, it's hard to hear, right? Um, Mm -hmm. How were you able to hear this 
And how were you able to decipher for yourself, like, okay, this is something that maybe I do need to look into as opposed to, well, I have a five-year-old boy and it's maybe something that is typical. How were you able to separate those two? I think for one, I, I'm very grateful that there is a lot of open communication. And I think just as a parent in general, you do need to be open to that. Um, you're always going to be the person that knows your child best. Um, mm-hmm. And for us, and, and, and my son was not reacting any different at school than he was at home. So when they were bringing these things up, it wasn't that surprising for me, right? Okay. So Um, so they would mention a few things and, and again, these types of behaviors are a little bit easier or a lot easier to manage in a home in comparison to when you're in a class with, you know, 25 other kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a lot of empathy towards the teachers, to be quite honest, because I know that my child could, could be, uh, challenging in the classroom. And it's, I think it's really important, even though sometimes you might not necessarily completely agree with what they're saying, but to, to really have that open communication and and working towards a goal. So we right away set some strategies in place, um, some coping mechanisms for, uh, my son that we can do at home and in school so that we were consistent. Cause I think that's the number one thing as well with, with kids that have ADHD or any kind of, you know, neurological, uh, differences is, is to keep that consistency. So that's, that's where we started. It was, um, you know, we created these you know, to take deep breaths or he was allowed to go take a walk outside of the classroom with it, with a teacher. Okay. So we set a few things in place, um, so that he would know that when he was feeling a certain way, these, these are the strategies that he could at that age, they're so little, right? So there was like three separate things that he could do. And then we did those with him at home as well. So that's, that was like the very first step of, um, of trying to see, you know, how we can manage what was, what was happening with our son. Yeah, for sure. One thing that you noticed, and I think it's really important for all listeners to hear, is that you notice the same signs at home. With Mm -hmm. ADHD, the diagnosis will come when children are exhibiting the same signs in multiple settings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a a very, very important uh, aspect to keep in mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now, so now you've put these strategies in place at home, but you still didn't suspect that it could be ADHD. Um, so, I mean, because again, little boy, busy, very young, yes. and I had never done research on ADHD before it was a foreign thing to me. And when I was just at the beginning, when I thought about ADHD, I thought about somebody that couldn't sit still. And my son was very, very busy, but he actually could sit for hours on end if it was something that he was interested in. So at the beginning, I was like, well, it can't be ADHD because he can focus when he wants to. Um, And then of course, um, you know, we had a lot of conversations again with the teachers and I was doing my own research on my own. Um, it took us, um, the teachers did provide like some letters of, of, of what they had uh, observed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got on a waiting list to see a pediatrician. It took a full year to get in to see the pediatrician. Um, and in between that, I, I saw a series of natural paths. We really tried um, anything that we could think of in the book when it comes to to you know, natural supplements, changing of the diet. Uh, we really were open to trying anything that could work and could help our son essentially. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you had that um, initial conversation with the pediatrician, what kinds, if someone else was listening and has, think, is thinking of approaching a pediatrician, what kinds mm-hmm. of things did you say and what did you hear in response? Yeah, well, we, because we had to wait so long, we had a whole year. So my son went from being in kindergarten to then he was in grade one. We also went through like a pandemic. He was not able to do online learning like that did not work for him. Um, So we had a whole other year of, of uh, kind of checking off the ADHD boxes by then. Right. Um, And so it it also, uh, you know, from going into kindergarten to grade one, even my son was noticing that he was different. He was able to express that. And it was heartbreaking because um, he felt he was starting to feel less than in comparison to other kids of the same class. He was not reading or writing at their level. Um, and I, it was completely destroying his confidence in himself. And it was heartbreaking to watch him in just that last year. So by the time we got to the pediatricians, I had kind of um, gone through all of the resources that I could and, and was really looking for at least some sort of answers or what to do next. And I remember I was driving in the car and, and my son's little, but he, he knew we were going to see the doctor and we're going to go um, kind of see if, uh, you know, ways that we could help him. And I kid you not in the car, he said, mom, I wish there was just something I could take that would just allow me to focus and be able to do what the other kids are, are doing. And then I could learn like the, and like, obviously as a parent hearing that your child is able to vocalize that they, they need help. That was his way of saying, you know, I'm ready for help. And those are the words that he, you know, chose to use. So when we got to the doctor's office, again, they go through kind of all these questions and it was every single box was being checked off and he was communicating directly with my son and asking him questions as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, I hate to say it because I was always the mom that said there's, I'm never, ever, ever going to give my child a medication. Like that was something that I, not that I had anything against anyone that was, but that was just something that I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will never forget it. Cause the doctor said, um, you know, if your child needed reading glasses to see the blackboard, would you prevent him or her, uh, from getting glasses? And I said, well, no. And mm-hmm. he said, well, this is where we're at today with your son's, uh, he obviously has ADHD and, and there are, um, medicines here. And it's not like, you know, 20 years ago where they just looked at like Ritalin and some, cause in my mind, that's all I had heard of. And he says, there's a lot, you have to look at it as another, just another resource. Um, and, and I was very, very grateful because it was, this appointment was not rushed. Uh, we were there, I think for almost like an hour and a half was able to answer all of the questions I had. And when I left that appointment, um, I, I, I have a, a good friend, my best friend, actually, she's a nurse practitioner. So I gave her a call and I was obviously very emotional, bawling my eyes out and coming to this point of like doing something that I never thought I would do, but also it was almost a sense of like, okay, finally, there's something that something else that we could try here. And so, um, the pediatrician gave us a very low, um, a a very, they call it like a baby amount to start with, uh, ADHD uh, medicine. And, And he did let me know that it's trial and error with that type of stuff. Um, that we would try it for a few months. It's something that literally is like when you take a Tylenol, it's in and out of your system within 
six hours. So even like by afternoon at school, it won't be in a system anymore. Let's try it out and see how it goes. And with that, he also told me to, you know, find a tutor um, for my son and to get him involved in some sort of individual sport. Um, and so we left that office, had, you know, had a clear idea of what we needed to do. And that was a, almost a year ago. And there's been significant changes since. So that was the start, the start of, uh, of, I guess, our new journey with ADHD after that diagnosis. Wow. It's, I mean, you covered so much in this just right away, but I mean, I'm so glad that you, you were able to, uh, to get the diagnosis. Now it's really important to distinguish this disorder from other problems that have similar behavioral traits. So how did the doctor know that it was ADHD? Because there's no blood test for ADHD. And one thing I did read recently that some studies show, uh, I believe it was rt.com that, that people with ADHD do have a smaller uh, brain size and a smaller amygdala, which is an almond shaped part of the brain uh, that's responsible for emotions and impulsivity and all that. So we can't see that. And even sometimes in scans that can't be shown. So how did the doctor diagnose that it was ADHD? Um, so he basically went off a set of very specific questions. And I think as, as it was mentioned before, the fact that he was checking off all these boxes, but not just at school, it was also at home and also in social settings. And it was always the same things. Um, so I, and they also mentioned that this type of medicine, if it wasn't ADHD, it wouldn't work. Okay. So within like the next few weeks, we would obviously know if it was that. Um, and upon taking that medication, medication, there are significant changes. Um, so I think that's, I'm not a medical expert, but I think based off of that is how they were able to determine that. Yes, it was ADHD. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, th there's a lot of, I, there's nothing wrong about seeing a pediatrician and getting recommended medicine and taking it. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. If it's helping your son, it's, I've seen, um, excellent progress with a lot of kids who have taken just as is in your case, very small doses of medication. And as you said, has is taken during a specific time because it is released through the body um, after a few hours. So it's not like it stays in, in their bodies. And it makes a huge difference in terms of their social skills, their impulsivity, their executive functioning skills, as well as their academic skills. What kinds of changes did you personally see in your son after implementing these? So I have to say the biggest change is in his confidence level. And that was the goal from the beginning. I didn't need my seven-year-old to, to read or write like all the other seven-year-olds. That wasn't important to me. The most important thing um, was that my, my child uh, acknowledged himself and, and all of the amazing things that he's capable of. And in the last year, that's the most significant change that I've seen. And 
Like that's, that's all I could ask for. Um, in regards to schooling, we have an IEP here in Ontario. So, um, he, he, he got an IEP and he's improved significantly at school, um, based on his, on his level of what he, he can, you know, for reading and writing. Um, and in his IEP plan in the last year, they've actually taken out the behavioral aspect because he no longer needs it. Um, which, which says a lot in comparison to just where he was a year ago. Um, and I'd like to say, it's not, it's not a magic pill that just changes your child or, I mean, we don't even, we don't give it to him on the weekends. By the time he comes home, it's no longer in his system. So I don't necessarily see any changes at all, really, like in, in, in terms of like how my son is, or he's like the funniest child. He's so it hasn't, you know, there's so many, I guess, um, like, there's so many misconceptions of what that can do. So it's, um, it's just overall, those are major, like that's a major change to see a shift in his confidence level. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's all I could ask for right now as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recently, um, I have a client who's older than your son who has an ADHD diagnosis and at this point, he is um, concerned about his future and really concerned about how this will impact him in his life as he grows older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing we did was look at this confidence and, you know, really figure out, just as you said, who he is, what his gifts are, and his gifts aren't as a result of ADHD, but are a result of him and who he is and how that is not going to go away. So I think that um, you having that for your child is, um, and focusing in on that, I think is, is going to be lifelong for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting you mentioned that because that's one thing that the pediatrician said is that um, that, that aspect of not having the confidence has a huge effect. And if you, if you can, he was saying it's been proven. If you can get in there at a younger age, it has a better impact because once your kid gets to high school and if he's had that lack of confidence for so many years, it's a lot harder once they get to that stage to re-motivate them towards school and everything. So the faster that you can kind of um, build up their confidence, it has such a, a huge ripple effect for them uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And there is this misconception that kids with ADHD cannot sit still, as you said, Well, you said your son can sit still for hours when he's focused on something. And I, I did have a client once who, who came to my in-person programs and I mean, within six weeks, he was sitting and meditating. So I, I, it is it is such a uh, uh, misconception. So what are some of the coping strategies that you're using at home? The, actually, that's my first question. Another question I had was, how did your daughters respond and your family respond when your son received the diagnosis and started taking the medication? Yeah, it's, um, I don't think that anyone was too surprised at that point. And I mean, my youngest daughter, she's, she was still too young to even understand what any of that means. And I mean, to us, he's our son, and that's their brother. So it's just that it's just who he is a part of who he is. And, um, but I think that it has made a difference in terms of 
just also it has helped his impulsivity and that has a huge effect on siblings and family life. Um, because, you know, a year and a half ago, there was, you know, different social settings or outings that, you know, I wouldn't go to because I just didn't know. And it was very hard. Uh, he's a big, he's very tall. He's a big boy for his age. And then I had a baby. So if you're in a social setting and he, you know, doesn't want to leave to have to pick up a a six-year-old and a baby, like it was just too much. So I'm happy to say that, that, you know, we're kind of past that hump now. Um, and so even for us to go out in social settings, that that has had an impact on our family life and on his siblings as well. But uh, yeah, they love their brother. That's just who he is and and part of his personality and his character for them. So they don't see him any different and don't tease him any less because of it. Like they're just siblings, right? So um, so yeah, they love him just as much and and uh, and accept him for for who he is. That's so beautiful. I, I just love when the family dynamic can uh, can be strengthened. You know, when when one person is receiving the guidance and the and the uh, help that they need. And what is it that you want other parents to know in this situation? Like, if you were speaking to a mom who's just maybe considering going for a diagnosis or maybe even wondering what might be going on with their child? What do you want other parents to know? What have you learned from this that you want other parents to know? That's huge. I think, first of all, that you're not alone um, and there's nothing wrong with your child. That's so important. There's nothing wrong with your child. Um, if I'm allowed to say there's a lot wrong with the systems within, you know, that we live in and even, um, you know, through this journey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a roller coaster ride, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and there's nothing wrong with getting help. Um, and also just, I joined so many online, like just other mom groups that have uh, children with ADHD. I think that has helped as well, just to see, you know, that you're not alone. Other people are going through this. Um, And yeah, just remembering that there's absolutely nothing wrong with your child. We have that conversation with my son quite often um, that there's, you know, he's, uh, he's very talented. He has so many different talents and, and, and not, um, not shining away from that, making sure that you tune into to your child's talents and, and really, um, really highlighting those because there's, you know, your child is a beautiful human. And, uh, unfortunately our systems just weren't designed for all types of brains. And that's, that's basically how I put it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the truth of it, the reality of it is that, um, there are a lot probably like 80% of kids have neurological differences because, Mm -hmm. and the reason is, is because we are all different, (laughs) right? Like we're all different. And exactly our system treats everyone the same. And that is the issue. And if you can't reach that um, standard or goal set out by whoever, mm-hmm. there's something we get taught that something is wrong with us. And we change that narrative, mm-hmm. our children will as well. Now, yes. one thing you kept pointing out, and I've been so eager to ask you this question. And the reason I ask you this question is because it's something that I focus on a lot. 
um, with all the kids in my classroom, whether there's a diagnosis or not, as well as with my, um, my clients. And I know that Dimple does as well. What are the strengths you see in your son? Ah, there's so many, but Mm -hmm. he has the kindest heart. Um, and I, I'd like to say that I have three kids and they're all very kind, but he truly does have the kindest heart. He's the type of kid that will give you his jacket and his hat if, and, and to anyone like that's how he is. Um, and he's the most creative, um, child as well. Like so creative, so talented. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to achieve such amazing things in life without a doubt. Um, and, and he, his imagination and his creativity always, they blow me like it blows me away. So, you know, I, I find that really common amongst, uh, children who have an ADHD diagnosis, um, their creativity is literally out of this world. Like Mm -hmm. it is mind blowing. And I think because, um, you know, they're, they're also not so subject to, um, doing things a certain way, right? And they yeah. use that creativity as a medium to express themselves. And um, it really does definitely help. Um, yes. And one last question, I'm just going to come back to Dimple, you were also mentioning some of the coping strategies that have worked for you. Yeah, it's uh, so when he started out in kindergarten, those three strategies that we gave him, it's funny because he still utilizes them today. Um, and one was actually, um, it was a coping strategy that he created. So we had a conversation, not during a meltdown outside of that. And said, you know what, when you're feeling like this, what's something you can do? And he came up with something called the apple breath. So he makes an apple with his fist and then he has the little worm that goes in and out of the apple. And he takes deep breaths as he calms down. So again, that creativity, like how did he come up with that? But, and, uh, and so I think it's, it's also really important to get them involved in those coping strategies rather than just tell them, do this, do this. We can, you know, give them some ideas, but having them come up with coping strategies that they feel will work best for them. And then just really taking the time to remove himself from the overwhelming situation. Mm -hmm. That's also huge for, for him. And it still works. Uh, for him today. Yeah, it's, it's so important for, for these kids. I mean, all kids of all ages to be able to self-regulate and Mm -hmm. to regulate their own nervous systems. I always suggest that they do learn how to breathe. And even like that breathing ball with like the fist with the worm, it's all the same concept. And it's so important. And for us to be regulated so that we can co-regulate our kids. What would you say, Tara, was the biggest struggle for you through all of this when you were not sure of what was happening? Um, I think just the co-regulation as an adult is also really hard when your Mm. child is like, just sometimes you you're like, I don't know what to do. And as they're getting bigger, they're not toddlers. And, you know, people are looking at you like you, you just don't know what to do. It can get very, very overwhelming. Mm. So I think just being able to regulate yourself in those situations, um, is probably the most challenging, but also the most rewarding to realize, like, you know, it takes a lot to be able to self-regulate. And also 
again, even with your child, if we have good days and bad days and acknowledging that and having that conversation, like, you know what, mommy didn't handle herself as, as best as she could have during that situation. And I wish Mm -hmm. I could have done. So also having that open communication and dialogue with your child, like we're all human here. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And, and modeling to them that, that within the family unit, there's nothing wrong with them, which we, we spoke yes. about earlier, but that, but that we all make mistakes. We're all in this together. We're all a team. Our family sticks together. Yes. You're not the one who's singled out in our family. Like that's really yep. important. I feel like, because sometimes mm. I will come across situations where that child is, is maybe sometimes made to feel like they are different or they don't belong within the own family unit. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I think that looking at, again, like having three kids, um, Mm -hmm. it's so important to give each child what they need. Right. And so sometimes that you might hear, well, how come this person gets more of this or that, like, how come this sibling but that's what they need. And you need, you've expressed that you need more of this. So just again, Mm -hmm. having that open dialogue and trying your best to give what your child, like what they, what they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the whole equality and uh, equity. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, Tara, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your journey and you've given us uh, so much wisdom in, in your journey and there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to learn. What are the the next steps for for your son? And and uh, you know, where do you see his progress taking you? Yeah, I love that you said there's so much more to learn because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm learning more at like on a daily basis. And it's so important to do research and find out more and see what you can do. Um, we're actually at a step where I think my my child has gone through this huge growth spurt, and I think he's mm-hmm. kind of out grown his medicine like and I'm keeping that open communication with um, Mm -hmm. his teacher it's really really important to have open communication Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah we'll be visiting his pediatrician to talk about that Um, and again like it's a it's a it's never perfect it's a roller coaster but I think that we have some great resources in place right now he's joined Mm -hmm. um, martial arts so we're sticking with that it's really helped him uh, when it comes to regulating himself as well and, and just self-discipline um, and his tutors is that one-on-one attention that he gets. Um, and, and again, like just the, the medicine that he takes when he goes to school. So having those resources, those tools and resources available to us, and then just paying attention to any changes and, and just working with him and what he needs as he moves forward. But I'm, uh, I'm very, very happy with, with the journey and where we're at right now. And, uh, and I'm excited to see all the amazing things that he's going to do. Oh, that's excellent. And, and, and how important would you just, I just want to ask this one class question. How important would you say is sleep and nutrition? It's huge. It, it's, it's, it really is important. Um, putting the right nutrients in your body. I can see it right away. Uh, as soon as he has any type of like sugar or candy. And I mean, again, like there's birthday party, there's things that come up, right. Uh, We have a movie night um, and I can see it right away. So I think it's really important to pay attention to that. And at the end of the day, you got to do your best. And it's all about that balance. You try to balance it out, but it, it really does has a, have a huge impact. And 
Um, just, you know, even like the, there's certain medicines that do have a ripple effect on sleep. So paying attention, um, to that as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and there's, you know, there's good days and bad days, but, uh, to try to balance that out, the sleep and nutrition is very important. Thank you so much, Tara. This has been so useful. I know that many parents listening are going to gain so much insight from your journey. And we're so grateful that you were open enough to share it with us here on the I Am Mom podcast. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for opening up. And, and I know that you have your mother-daughter conference coming up as well at the end of May on May 29th. And uh, where can our listeners find you to find out more about what you do in your work with Mother Daughter Empower and uh, about the conference? Absolutely. So you can find everything on our website and that's at www.motherdaughterempower.ca. Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners and our viewers for being here today and for sharing this journey with us and with Tara. And we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.